Um, so for today, topic I chose um, Sadhu Sangha. Uh, so Bhakti Rasa was so kind to to ask me to prepare something, although I I feel completely unqualified for that. But uh, at the same time, always grateful that I am able to read something from the scriptures and have the company of the devotees and share these most important topics together. Um, for this, specifically for this uh, topic, I have uh, prepared on the book of uh, Bhakti Pramod Puri Goswami Maharaj. Uh, I actually have it here, I will just show you one second. So that's the, the book of Puri Maharaj, Art of Sadhana. So I recommend to everyone, it's a very beautiful mandala edition. I'm not sure it's still, uh, we still can buy it if it's not out of print. Mm, but um, uh, Puri Maharaj is specifically, uh, bringing the topic, starting the presentation of, of the sadhana, as, sorry, sadhusanga, this chapter, like, which is one of the most important for our spiritual life. He brings uh, the topic about the tadiya. You know, this, um, this translated is like um, those who are connected to the Lord. And also another interpretation of this tadiya is given by Vrindavan Das Thakur in Chaitanya Bhagavad. He says that uh, tadiya means also his own, like Krishna's own ones. So that's why these are the, the most important um, things related to our spiritual life. And tadiya are considered hmm, this is Ganges, book Bhagavata, Tulsi, and the devotees. Uh, there's an um, exact uh, quote from uh, Chaitanya Bhagavat, where it is said that the Supreme Lord is always associated with the four following things, the book Bhagavata, Tulsi, the Ganges, and the devotees. The deity form of the Lord becomes worshipable after it has been consecrated ritually and the Lord's presence has been invoked. Scripture says that these four things, however, are innately divine. 
So these four things, the book Bhagavata, Person Bhagavata, Tulsi and Ganges, they are considered directly manifestations of the Lord or his Prakasha Vigraha. And practically you do not need any ritual or anything which will, that they become worshipable because like for everything even we can see here, even for the deity in the temple, has to be invoked by Vaishnava. They're invoking God to enter into this form. But for this direct already, like considered his Prakasha uh, Vigraha, they are on divine platform as they are. So our relationship to, to these four things should be like uh, we are the servants and they are the masters. We have to serve them in this mood. And also um, they should be considered completely distinct from the material nature. So this is very important. And also that they should be considered, uh, never should be considered as some object of our sense enjoyment because this is a very big offense. And um, uh, also we have this explanation of, um, you know, like the five most powerful processes of devotional life, which are the chanting of the holy name, uh, listening to Bhagavatam, uh, also um, living in a holy place, Matura Vasa, or, uh, you know, and um, Sadhu Sangha as well. And what else I'm forgetting? Bhagavatam, Holy Name, Sadhusanga, Maturavas. Uh, ah, and worship of the deity, of course. So these five things, it is said that like they're the main five services to offer and very quickly, whether we uh, follow only one of them or we all together, it's said that love for Krishna is uh, manifested within us. But it's interesting that uh, all these five main services, they are um, all considered tadiya. They, they're part of this concept. And that all those uh, five main limbs of devotional life, they... Um, uh, yeah, from all of them, like service to Vaishnavas is, it is said, it is the most important. And service to Vaishnavas cannot be separated from any devotional service. Like it comes together. Whenever you think of any devotional service, like, uh, you know, Rupa Goswami has described 64 types. So serving the Vaishnavas is not separable from any of those types of service. And there is a nice um, quote from Nartam Dastakur from Prema Bhakti Chandrika. He sings, Jariya Vaishnava Seva Nishtara Payachikeva, who has ever attained supreme beatitude without serving the Vaishnavas. So we need the association and service of a perfected devotee of the Lord, the person Bhagavata, in order to get any, any devotional service exercised. 
like it's coming from above to us. So we we should like it's impossible to execute any practice without uh, a devotee. And um, also there is a, a quote from how Mahaprabhu was teaching Sanatan Goswami that association with devotees is practically important at all stages of devotional life. He says, Krishna Bhakti Janma Mula Haya, Sadhu Sangha Krishna Prema, Janme Tenum Puna Mukha Anga. So it says that the root cause of devotional service to Krishna is association with advanced devotees. And when one's love for Krishna awakens, association with devotees becomes the chief element in one's devotional service. This is also quote from Chitanjaritamrita, from Mahaprabhu. So practically, devotional service is the fruit of associating with the devotees. And when this devotion gets to the mature state, it's transformed into pure love. And then the association with devotees becomes even more important. It becomes the most essential expression of the love which we receive. Practically, we can imagine how um, uh, in order to get any type of interest in devotional life, we, we need the devotees because they're the ones who are able to trans transmit to us this um, taste and this interest to awaken uh, that um, like lolyam, this thirst, this greediness for, for devotional life. And we can imagine if I could speak for myself, if right now I'm not very interested in devotional life uh, and I can only occasionally be interested uh, thanks to the power of the devotees and their uh, blessing and actually their realized devotion with which they're enthusing me. How much more when you get the full realization of the fruit devotion, which is love to God, how much more we will be interested in them. At the end of this presentation, I have um collected also just uh, one two prayers of Bhaktivinoda Gaur because he is uh, really uh, very powerful in presenting the mood of prayer towards the devotees and um, there is also um in this connection of how we have to uh, look at the devotees how we have to value and appreciate the Sadhu Sangha, there is a quote from Krishna when he's uh, giving his teachings in Uddhava Gita to Uddhava himself. So he's, the quote is the following. Uh, My devotees take great care in rendering service to me, offering obeisances to me through the use of all their bodily limbs and faculties. They consider the worship of other devotees to be even more important than my worship. 
They see my presence in all living beings. They engage their bodies in working for me. They use the power of speech for glorifying my qualities. They offer up the activity of their mind to me and they give up all material desires. So, so we speak here, like Krishna speaks here about that level of devotees. He says, those who engage their bodies in working of me, use the power of speech of glorifying my qualities. Even they offer the activity of their mind and give up all material desires. So this type, this level of devotees, imagine they consider the worship of other devotees to be even more important than that of Krishna. So by this, we can see how, how really important it is to this worship of, of devotees that uh, Krishna um, values his devotees so much. That's why they are tardy and on his own. That, yeah, he, he gives many such quotes also, like uh, that uh, he values most when his devotees are worshipped more than his. So, um, here is important also to think of the question who we can consider a devotee. Uh, because that's also important. And also uh, how to serve a devotee, like to go a little bit in a more detailed uh, search, how to approach all this topic more in detail. I like very much um, this story uh, from Chaitanya Charitamrita. There um, every year, two exemplary householder devotees, they go to Mahaprabhu, to Puri, to associate with him, and he gives them instructions on what means, uh, how householder devotees should perform his duties. So there, Ramananda Vasu and his father, Satyaraj Khan, they're from Kulinagram the village. So, uh, like every year, they have three years, one after the other, they go to visit him and he gives consequently three levels, explanation of the three levels of devotees like Kanishta, Madhima and Uttama. So he gives three main activities for the householders. This is uh, serving deity of Krishna, the form of Krishna at home chanting the holy name and also serving the Vaishnavas. So on this Satyaraj Khan, he asks, saying that practically how to chant the holy name, how to worship the deity, more or less this is uh, like the guru is giving us this advice, but more or less it is quite uh, straightforward and clear how we are supposed to do that. But what is really more difficult to understand is um, how we can recognize a Vaishnava. And also, um, he asks the Lord how to recognize a Vaishnava and what are the characteristics of a Vaishnava. And this is how Mahaprabhu presents these three levels of Vaishnavas, one year after the other. 
So the first year he starts with the Kanishta and he says, I will read to you the quote directly. If I hear someone chant Krishna's holy name just once, I consider him to be worshipable and the best of all humans. A single repetition of Krishna's holy name destroys all the consequences of sinful life. All the nine processes of devotional service are completed simply by chanting the holy name. With the holy name, one does not have to undergo initiation or the Purashtra observances as with other mantras. The name delivers even a person in the lowest ranks of human society as soon as one chants it. Secondarily, the holy name dissolves one's entanglement in material activities. It attracts the mind and awakens one's love for Krishna. Then he concludes here, Therefore, one who chants the name of Krishna should be recognized as a Vaishnava. You should offer all respects to him. So this is a very broad, of course, instruction, like a person who even once just pronounces the name. So in this connection, um, Bhaktivinoda Thakur gives um, like some comment on that from his Amrita Pravaha Bhasha. And he explains that um, there are many people who take initiation in Vaishnava mantra, but they might uh, continue to be under the sway of the Mayavad philosophy because they don't know the Vaishnava doctrine. So a person who is simply who has simply been initiated is called Vaishnava Praya or almost Vaishnava. And one who has chanted the holy name even once without offenses is a pure devotee, even though he may be on the lowest platform. So a householder should serve devotees who are at least of this caliber. And then uh, the next year, Mahaprabhu gives the next, uh, the Madhyama. And um, First, he gives again the instruction like what a householder devotee should do because he, he has been asked exactly about this question first. So he says, you should both serve Vaishnavas, chant the holy name of Krishna. And if you do these two things, you quickly attain the shelter of Krishna's lotus feet. And then again, Satyaraj Kaunz is asking him how to recognize Vaishnava. So Mahaprabhu is giving him the middle stage devoted the Madhimadikari, and here is saying, Krishna nama nirantara jana ravadane se vaishnava shreshta bhajatana racharana. So person who is always chanting the holy name of the Lord. You know, he's like, here we know Madhima is like considered to be really always engaged in chanting the holy name. And he's considered first-class Vaishnava or Vaishnava Shreshta. And we have to worship his lotus feet. Like um, you have to engage in this type of practice. And on the third year, when Satyaraj asks again the same question, Mahaprabhu responds by describing the characteristic of most advanced, the Uttama Adhika, Mahabharata. And he's saying, Janara Darshane Mukhe, 
Айси Кришна Нама, Танра Джани Хатуми Вайшнава Прадам. That one whose very sight brings the name of Krishna to your lips should be recognized as the best of all Vaishnavas. And uh, these three types of Vaishnavas are called also progressively Vaishnava, Vaishnava Tara, and Vaishnava Tama. I heard this for the first time myself, so it was interesting to um so Mahaprabhu is saying that uh, householder devotee has to serve all these three types of Vaishnavas, but again Bhakti Vinonta Kurinamrita Prava Bhash is giving us like a bit of elaboration on this, not to take everything because it's very broad idea, of course. He says that one has no need to serve a Vaishnava who may have undergone formal initiation, but who has never once chanted the holy name offenselessly. But still, we have to act as their well-wishers and offer them kindness as a guest. So, yeah, uh, of course here, pure devotees, we have to totally serve, like surrender, serve their lotus feet and worship them and everything. But to all the rest, like we can be respectful, kind, and serve them on this level, what Bhaktivinotakur says as well, wisher and kindness as a guest. Um, so how exactly Sadhusanga works, like how this, of course, it's inconceivable, but how it is so powerful, a little bit to consider. Mm. So, practically, while we are listening to Krishna Katha from devotees, uh, there is some increasing affection uh, we develop. And uh, we listen from saintly personalities, we listen from the Guru, and we get very enriched by their grace. And the more we get the, the, this transformation of this awakening of, of taste, of craving, of um, interest, attraction, so the more we feel that the grip of the illusion is like slowly dissolving, like uh, releasing us from the grip, its grip. And at the same time, like simultaneously, this process goes like we are getting released from the grip of illusion and getting some attachment to pure devotion or to devotion as a whole. Um, so, Whenever we see the devotees, we see the realized result, the fruit of the practice. Also, on the last lecture, Gurmara said that this most powerful practice where we follow um, in the footsteps of the devotees on the Raganuga platform, that's the most powerful practice. It's much more. Um, active ingredient or much more like powerful 
than any result we, we can get in biodepact. Because practically with the devotees, like let's say with other practices like mantras, parikramas, rituals, tapasya, or anything else, we are practically um, slowly getting some purification or some layers of our consciousness are going away. And then when we get the real thing, we're kind of preparing the soil to be able to, um, to put there the seeds and to grow it nicely. But we need still like the, the real thing. Like we need the, the seed, we need the fruit. And here we, we see directly the fruit. No, they have already got, got it. They have fully matured the result of bhakti, of all the practices. So we directly see this realization in front of our eyes. We're not just preparing the soil. And that's why um, it is so enthusing. Like, uh, we become practice practically, uh, to say, directly connected with bhakti, and at the same time, we know that these are the dearest to Krishna people. They are the study they are the heart of Krishna. Also, Puri Maharaj, uh, a, a part of this art of sadhana book, he he wrote this heart of Krishna. Uh, in connection with offenses to Vaishnavas, which he also considered extremely important. So it's so, yeah, it's not nice for us to concentrate and consider how we have to dwell to enter into this mentality of uh, deepest worship of the Vaishnavas. Um, so the, the devotees are giving it, the sadhu sangha is giving us this um, enthusiasm for the spiritual life. This craving, this lolem, which is so necessary. And because of this, we get, because Krishna Bhakti is so powerful that we immediately get very, very satisfied. It gives us so much inner fulfillment that, um, uh, that's that's how we start to to lose interest in Maya or start getting this taste for devotional practices. And I was thinking, like, how exactly for us, for Western devotees in our current modern time, how exactly it works. In Guru Maharaj, on the, this last lecture now before the. Uh, on the Nandotsu lecture, he was speaking very nicely about, um, um, he was speaking actually presenting for us. Uh, I like always when he gives this presentation, when we consider um, time and space, um, we have to understand that this is above, uh, that consciousness is above time and space. And we're not practically limited by them. And I was thinking that um, if I would compare with um, 
Pythagorean math approach, how in India the preaching is going on, uh, we always get like, I mean, it's wonderful and everything. I just want to say that um, the, the, for, for Indians, because they grew up with these uh, Puranas, with Mahabharata stories. So this is part of their upbringing. This is their life, their folklore. This is what they believe in. Um, this is their background. And our background is um, a scientific approach to life. Uh, if they believe in the stories from the Puranas, uh, we have been taught in school and in the whole society of the scientific approach to life. And here, how Guru Maharaj is preaching to us, he's bringing us this scientific approach of our society, which looks at life and reality in this way. So he's like transmitting or translating for us, like how we would be able to understand um, Krishna. So he was explaining how uh, practically this whole material world is manifested from the sleeping of the Lord, from his dream. So every particle of this matter we see here is manifestation of, of his dream. So nothing is outside the Lord. Everything comes from him. And I just realized how lucky we are to be able to get this perfect translation and bringing the context, bringing the essence and having our Sadhu Sangha and our Krishna Katha in this way, in, in the West, in our modern life. And... Um, also, um, he was mentioning about um, our family, our parivar, Bhaktivinot parivar, and um, he said that how uh, at that time um, of Bhaktivinot Thakur, that the Western world or the culture has already reached Kolkata, and he conceived of that uh, spreading of the Vaishnava tradition and culture outside to, to the West. And how after him, uh, in his footsteps, followed Srila Bhaktisiddhanta Prabhupada and then how Srila Prabhupada was really wonderful represent, uh, representative of this uh, Saragrahi approach of Bhaktivinot Parivar. And also we can see that in Guru Maharaj, how like if we would be like just uh, given out of context uh, certain things like, let's say um, as we see how in India, the main preaching is through the stories, of course, other philosophy as well, but somehow to, to the vast public, it's the most popular approach. And, um, and uh, how now for us, in our present situation, in our time, place and circumstance, 
uh, is given the essence uh, in the perfect context, in our context, it's given how and where we can see that, how to connect. So that's um, how Krishna gives sadhu sangha in any circumstance, like he's just um, uh, so merciful that he always gives us this opportunity. And um, I just wanted to also read for you these two prayers of Bhaktivinoda Thakur, which uh, his mood of total, like, uh, you know, deep humbleness and uh, surrenders, very, very touching. So um, he's teaching us actually how a devotee should pray for the association of advanced Vaishnavas. So part of uh, considering how valuable is Sadhusanga, we have to also like see how, how we have to pray for that. So he says, we should fall at their feet, crying to tell them of our miseries of being burned in the fire of material life as a result of our disinterest in the service of the Lord. The devotees are oceans of mercy. Their only distress is to see the suffering of the conditioned souls. When they are aware of our suffering and intercede on our behalf to the Supreme Lord, he will act mercifully towards us, knowing us to be under the care of those in his own interage. The mercy of the Supreme is received through the medium of his devotees. And then one more special from Kalyana Kalpataru, special prayer also Bhaktivinoda just to catch the mood. When will Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu be merciful to me? When will I find shelter in the shade of a Vaishnava's lotus feet? I will approach the saint with the cloth around my neck in humility, my hands folded and with straw between my teeth. In this way, I will stand before him and bear my soul to him, crying. I will tell him of my suffering and beg him to release me from the fire of materialistic life. When he hears my story, the most merciful Vaishnava will intercede on my behalf to the Supreme Lord Krishna. Even though I'm most unworthy and insignificant, Krishna will be compassionate towards me when he hears the Vaishnava's prayers on my behalf. And so these are also very beautiful. And I just want to finish with some also important part of the Sadhu Sangha because I was thinking uh, how uh, uh, yeah, different devotees serve Vaishnavas in different ways. Those who are more qualified, they can offer their qualities, they can offer very high level services, but there is something uh, 
how we can serve the Vaishnavas, which is like everyone can do. And for me, this has been always the most um, important thing. I was always very concentrated on this part. And these are the, the three things, most powerful ingredients, which is considered uh, coming from, from them. These are the dust from their lotus feet of the devotees, the water which has washed their feet, and also the remnants of their prasadam. So um, it says that in all the revealed scriptures, it is said that one can attain ecstatic love, love for Krishna through the use of these three substances. So he says here, uh, this is um, the story, you know, the story of Kali Das from Chaitanya Chaitamrita because he was like hiding and only maintaining his life by stealing like remnants of the devotees. I was very impressed, like, especially if they uh, like throw their like uh, seeds or like some remnants of fruits, he's going, taking them, finding them and start sucking on them and like trying to chew them and eat them in all the possible way. This very, very deep appreciation for the Mahama Prasad. Uh, so, we are suggested to keep really faith in these three substances and to render service to them with faith. And this is how we can taste the joy of sacred love, which is in the holy name of Krishna. And we will also um, uh, win the Krishna's pleasure. Um, I remember somehow in when going to India, having the festivals there and the opportunities to be in Sadhu Sangha, um, it has always been um, very ecstatic to be able to catch some uh, water from which has washed Vaishnavas. And Although, you know, for us Westerns, it's considered that it's very dangerous to drink Ganges water or Yamuna water that we will get sick or whatever. But always somehow, I, when I've been drinking this type of water, I never became uh, sick. And it's mainly because of these words of Bhakti Pramodpuri Maharaj. Like when I read it for the first time, I really believed in that. And, um, took to heart and whenever we have been in India, tried to, and everywhere, not only in India. And especially, um, I remember a moment, um, we went to a festival in Doji Mandir, this is in Vrindavan, you know, the, it was on the appearance day of Bhakti Pramod Puri Maharaj. And usually to go to eat to the Gaudiya Mat, uh, uh, cooking uh, like festivals, we uh, like were very careful because they really serve very very spicy prasadam. And and I was like praying to this time really be able to like not consider how spicy the food is, but like really to go and to take the mercy of Puri Maharaj. And uh, and this prasadam was so strong and so hot that I remember when I was eating it, I started to faint, like 
my eyes became completely black. I couldn't see, I couldn't hear. And then at some point, like, um, I felt that I will faint in this moment, but, but this experience was so purifying that um, somehow I felt inspired that although the difficulties are there, we, we have to somehow try to serve these special ingredients, which here Puri Maharaj himself is mentioning. Uh, so this is what I wanted to share with you today. And um, I just finished with one last quote from Puri Maharaj. Uh, he's saying the following. The blackness of coal cannot be changed by all the water contained in the lakes and oceans of the world. It can only be transformed by fire. In the same way, it's only by the blazing fire of divine instructions from the Sadguru that one can be purified of material contamination. Only then can one be freed from the clutches of the witch of material illusion. So thank you very much for sharing today on this topic. If there is any comments or anyone would like to to ask something you're very welcome Okay, thank you very much. Wish everyone a very pleasant evening or day, whatever the time is. Vanchikal Patrubhya Kripa Sindhu Bevacha Titanam Pavani Bivashna Vibhyavana Mono Shiva Guru Maharaj Ki Jai Devotis Ki Jai Sadhu Sangha Ki Jai Hari Kribo Hari